Welcome to the Just Ask Mom podcast, where mothers share their experiences of raising children with mental illness. Just Ask Mom is a Mothers on the Frontline production. Today we will speak with a mother whose son was recently diagnosed with Asperger's Syndrome. Tell us a little bit about yourself. Um, that makes it really tough. I know. <laughs> right? You think it's all easy, and then you're That's like, right. um, I'm a middle-aged woman that is a mother of a single child that we're on the path for a diagnosis of Asperger's. Uh, this was a recent diagnosis or process of a diagnosis for us. It was a bit of a shocker. Uh, prior to having my son. Uh, I nannied for 17 years. So I was around kids, helped raise kids, manage kids. My son came along. Everything seemed fine um, until now um, when we really started to notice some differences. And the fact that he's very routine oriented and just some of the changes that we've seen compared to other kids but this is tough. It's tough. Man. It is. My so favorite thing to do. Yeah? Technology. Yeah. It's it's always something with a cell phone, a computer. Yeah. A gadget. Yeah. Of some sort. So that, that's what I spend a lot of time doing. Either that or taking pictures. Oh, okay. So that's what you enjoy doing. So my son lives in front of a camera. <laughs> Poor kid. Aww. I love him to death, but... Yeah. So it's like, oh, you got that in my face again. It's nice to share a passion, right? It is. So that part's really good. So you're going through this with your son. I want to know what you would like other family members to know. Who You know, because we have a lot of people out there who are going through this, and they probably feel the same way. What, when you're the one in the middle of it, what do you want family members who may mean very well but don't, aren't in the middle of it. What do you want them to know? What do you want to, what would you want to say to them? So let's go back probably about seven months ago. Yeah. When we hit a rough spot with our son who had a day where he was so overwhelmed that he couldn't function at all. And at that point, right, I knew we needed to do something. We, we needed to figure out what was causing all of the behavior and and triggering this because he literally was just a body. Right. His eyes were glassed over. He just would sit and cry. He couldn't get dressed. The thought of going to school made him physically sick. This is a kid who, up until this point, loved school. Really? So that's when I intervened. And said, okay, you know, we've got to do something. After talking with family members, giving they were giving great suggestions, mm-hmm. you know, trying to help. But we knew we weren't on the right path. Right. So we intervened with a therapist who has worked really hard with our son. And with the suggestion of a friend, I looked at, you know, what we thought potentially was Asperger's. And, and looking at our son knew that he had a lot of the same characteristics right. and a lot of the same things looking back, of course, as a parent, I feel really guilty because you didn't see these things sooner, but 
getting that groundwork with that therapist helped me immensely sit down with my parents, with my in-laws, with my husband, with my siblings, and talk to them about what we've seen, what we see going forward, how we're going to try to approach things for him. Because it's not easy. It's very stressful. His stress is also my stress. And when he's worked up, then I can't relax. And it just throws the whole family dynamic off. And, of course, we got the, it's because he's an only child. It's because you're too hard on him. Um, You know, maybe if you did more with him, if you took him out and had him do more things, you know, he, he would be more social. That's part of it. You know, you're not exposing him to enough. You know, are you sure that he's on a schedule that tight? Have you, you know, really sat back and watched? Most definitely. The kid gets up in the morning. He has his specific clothes in mind before he gets out of bed. We lay there and we talk for five minutes. He gets up. He gets dressed in a specific order. I have tried to change that up. It turns the world upside down. Right. And I'm just thinking, okay, so much as putting your socks on before your pants can't be done. But if in your mind, that's what you need, I'm fine with that. I'm okay. But until I tested that a couple of times, did I find out, right? I just thought, oh, it's just him being particular about one thing. But we have a certain routine with getting dressed, mm-hmm. a certain way to put deodorant on, right. a certain way to put cologne on. We have to hit the bathroom at a certain time. We don't do our hair. We make our hair. Really? Yes. He makes his hair every morning. Huh. So whatever style he has in his head, he makes it. I see. I don't understand where that comes from, but that's okay. Right. It's not worth an argument over come the end of the day. Right. He eats the same food for breakfast every day until he's tired of it. He eats the same thing for lunch every day until he's tired of it. So he's, it's very, very specific. We have to leave a certain time every day. Does he get very anxious if anything goes off the schedule? Yes. It causes major issues and he'll start to fidget. Mostly he'll pick it, either pick at his fingers or he'll hand ring. Right. And try to calm himself. Compression shirts have made a huge difference for him. Wonderful. Convincing him to wear them on the other hand was not easy. Right, right. It took a lot of work, but we're there. It's a safety blanket now, so we don't leave home without them. Wonderful. I've invested in, I don't know how many shirts, so we have them (laughs) in every color. Yes. Because for him, his shirt has to match his pants. And his shirt and his socks have to match. Or we have an awful day. You cannot use black or blue as a universal color. It is specific. It has to match. Ah. So it's very, very tough. I never thought about this. We could do a whole series on shopping with yes. the autistic child. It is... It's what they It may have, have to be a certain fabric, a yes. certain color, or so forth. And... They have to fit a certain way. Yeah. And if you do it, then that's going to help the child be well throughout the day. Yes. It makes a huge difference. And 
for someone who doesn't see this, for someone that's not behind those closed doors on a daily basis, right. they can throw all kinds of great ideas out there to help you. But until they're in your shoes, they're not going to get the full picture. Yeah. And I'd like to have more family there to see how our days go. Yeah. To give them more of an insight. Because until you're hands-on, you don't get it. Right. You see them as the spoiled child who's throwing that temper tantrum because something, you know, to us seems so small. Right. It didn't go right. But to them, it's significant. Right. And it's hard for them to process it. And the lengthy talks that we have incorporated into everything that doesn't go right to turn it into a lesson and explain why things are going the way they are and try to help navigate through so that they get it. Right. It's not easy. Finding the correct language to you so that you don't frustrate them that much more. Right. Causes a lot of stress on mom. Absolutely. Absolutely. Because it's a lot of trial and error. Yeah. And with family, you get stuck in the middle of that because you're trying to do what's best for the child. But yet you are trying to get them to understand and you don't want to offend anyone by not doing what they've suggested. But if you go back at them with any sort of evidence, right, then they're upset. Right. Even though they're meaning well and trying to help, they're mad because you didn't try it. Yeah. And it's just, you feel like you're stuck in the middle of a cyclone. Yeah. Because everything around you is just spinning so fast. Why? But everyone else gets to conveniently leave the cyclone except yes. for you. <laughs> you're so- <laughs> right? For sure. You're exactly yeah. that. And it's, it's so crazy because when it comes down to it, the more schedule oriented we are, the more smoothly things go, and the better days that he has. But if we're off task, it's hard to get back on. Right, right. I didn't realize how hard that could be until I started reading and understanding what we're dealing with. Right. And now it's like a light bulb moment, and to me it's becoming second nature. You know, when we took a trip over the weekend, to not come home is significant for him. Right. Right. He has his bed, a certain routine. You know, we don't mess with that very often. But when we do, we know it's going to be bad. And so we talk about it for days. And I have family that will say, you're treating him like a two-year-old. You know, you're talking about this way too much. And I'll say, but we need to talk about it so that our trip goes better. Right. If I don't, his behavior is going to be horrible. And I get the pushback. He's 11. He knows better. Theoretically, yes. But with what we're working on, it doesn't click. It's okay. We talk about it. We've got it all figured out. Just don't mess with his routine and we'll be okay. Once we get there, it's fine. And he'll have fun. But we have to work through that on a daily basis. We talk about his school schedule on the way to school every day because he has a couple of classes that change. It's okay. If we don't, he gets confused. So it's very important for him to know what to expect. Mm-hmm. But if that expectation's disrupted, it's very anxiety-producing for him. Oh, for sure. It's definite. And it can throw the entire day into a tailspin. Okay. Yeah. And come evening, 
after we do supper and we shower and we take our nighttime pills and it's time to brush the teeth and head to bed, don't take mom out of the equation. If mom's not there to tuck him in, he will stay up. Tell who knows when. Right. And it's hard. You know, I want to be home because I know if I'm not, right, that he's not going to go to bed until I get there. I can even text. I can call and tell him good night. And he's still staying awake. Now that's a lot of pressure because I think as a mom, you expect that the first few years of life. Yes. Right? Yeah, you're exactly right. You know, being a nanny, not that I was there a lot for those kids. Um, I was on call 24-7, 365, because the family that I worked for had commitments that would pull them out at all hours of the day and night. Right. And so I would go in early in the morning. I would be there late at night. I could put those kids to bed, right? wasn't a big deal. Right. Or you could be like, okay, well, it's 8.30. It's time to go to bed, and they'd go. Right. Not with him. Oh, no. You will be there. You will tuck me in. We talk about our day, and then I'm going to sleep. Until then, it's off the table. He will find any excuse possible to be up. And it's so hard, because then you're confined to being home all the time or being with them all the time. Right. Which you get a break. Right. And that backs up on us, right? As moms. Yes. That affects our mental well-being. <laughs> For sure. Because <laughs> we need a break. You yeah. need that break. You need that time away. Yeah, you go to work in, in most cases, right? Yeah. Mom takes the kids to school, and then she goes and does her, her eight hours or whatever yeah. at work. But you come home, and they're there. And they want to see you, and you want to see them. And so that cycle continues, right? You don't get that downtime, the right. time to process that you really need to. Right. So that you can stay healthy because it's tough. The stress level. And, of course, you start to adapt to it. Right. But once you do, there's a new challenge that comes your way. And then you're like, okay, how am I going to face this? How do we approach this? You learn who you can lean on. Yeah, that's true. You do learn who your friends are, don't you? Yes. (laughs) And you find out really quickly because you've got those friends that regardless of what you've just found out, call you and say, hey, how's your day? You've got some family that do that, but really they're prying for information. (laughs) They really don't care. (laughs) Because they just want to know what the latest scoop is with what you found out, right? I see. (laughs) But I've got a really great friend who no matter what will call and say, hey, you know, I know that you guys have supper scheduled in 30 minutes. Can we go for a quick walk? That's wonderful. So you have a support system. I do. Yeah. But I'm learning that sometimes what's convenient for her is not convenient for me. Yeah. And so we're having to work on that because if I say, oh, well, yeah, supper's not for another 30 minutes. Nate, I'm leaving. I'm sunk. Right. Right. Because now he's home, which he's fine being unattended for a day. I check in on him all the time. Right. But I've walked in. I've talked to him. We've discussed some things, maybe worked on homework, and now I'm leaving. It does not go well. Right. If I come home and I say, hey, I'm leaving in 30 minutes, let's get this, this, and this done, and then I'm going to go for a walk, and then I'll be back. It's okay. Because it's all part of the plan. Yes. So spontaneity is sort of off the table. Completely off the table, whether it's at any given point, whether it's changing the beginning of the school year is always awful because 
the unknown and the schedule. Mm-hmm. This school year, changing buildings was horrible. Yes. It took over a month to get squared away. And that was before the diagnosis. So we were clueless. And of course, I was extremely frustrated. Because I'm like, oh my goodness, man. It's not that hard. And now I'm like, oh, yeah, it was. It was that hard. Yeah. Because he'd smile. He'd go to school. He wouldn't complain. And now I'm thinking, what was in his head? How was he getting through all of this? Yeah. Because if that were me, I'd have been blown away. Yeah. I would have been curled up in a corner somewhere thinking, I can't do this. Right. And at his age, he went through it. I mean, yes, his behavior was a little rough. Right. But all things considered, I was shocked. I think that's one thing we don't talk about enough is how incredibly strong our kids are. Because they're managing and coping with so many things that other people can't even see, including us. Like, they're invisible to us. Yes. And they're getting through it. And they're not getting kudos for that. Right? And that's what I talked to a teacher about. You know, when we've talked about things... and 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 kids in general, mm-hmm. when they're doing well, they need to know they're doing well. Right. It's not just that bad behavior. Mm-hmm. It can't just be that because then they start to predict, predict that they're that bad kid mm-hmm. and that their bad behavior, no one wants to be around them. And nobody wants that. No. no. You know, we've talked to our son about, his, he has no friends. That's one of the hardest parts, isn't it? Just right? saying that? Yeah, that's very hard. So in the meeting with the teachers, in the meeting with the family, I'm like, can you guys name who he hangs out with? The teachers are like, no, I guess we've never paid attention. My family's like, well, I guess we've not really noticed that come birthday parties, he doesn't get invited. You know, come time for his birthday party, nobody shows up. Which... It's heartbreaking. It is. And when it comes down to it, he doesn't have that, that buddy that he wants to come have, you know, over on the weekend or someone to hang out with and play video games or, or any of that. And so to see that and to talk to him about that is tough. Right. Because he doesn't see that other kids have this going on in his mind. He'll tell you he's friends with everyone. Because he'll speak to everyone and everyone speaks to him. The response he gets may not be a friendly response, but in his mind, hey, they talk to me. Does that worry you in terms of him being teased or bullied? Yes, because it's happened already. So he He, thinks someone's being his friend, but they're actually not treating him well? Yes, perfect example of that. Um, It would have been late fall. He was riding the bus. And he could tell me the name of of this other student that he walked to a corner with. And then the student went one way and he went another to go home. And it was just like casual talk about this person here or there. But then at one point I tried, I texted him to see what was taking him so long to get home. Right. Because I've got the, the alerts that go off when he gets within so many feet of the house so that I know he's home. So that for peace of mind, I can rest a bit. Sure, sure. You know? And he wasn't getting home on time. And so I text his phone and I said, Hey, can you tell me why you're running late? 
And I got a really weird response back. Not a normal response from my child. So I picked up the phone and I called. And someone answered it, but there wasn't a hello really quickly on the other end of the phone. And once he got on the phone, I said, what's going on? And he's like, oh, well, so-and-so had my phone. And I said, mm, no, we'll discuss this when we get home. Right. But I'm going to keep talking to you until you walk the other way. And I know that you're home. And when I get home, we'll talk. Right. And so when I got home that night, we talked about it. And so well, I got my phone out of my backpack, like I always do every day, and I'd unlocked it. And she reached over and took it from me. And he's like, Mom, I don't understand why you're mad. She was just joking. Mm. No, that's not a joking behavior. No. I said, what were you told at school? Oh, yeah. We're not supposed to touch other people's property. And I said, is your phone your property? Yeah. I said, see, that is not acceptable behavior. What else has she done to you? You know? Yeah. Feel free to tell me. I need to know these things so yeah. that we can take care of them. Yeah. And so, of course, it was shoving and uh, picking on him. And I said, can you explain to me how or why you think she's your friend? He's like, but we talk. Nobody. That doesn't make anyone your friend. Right. A friend is going to stick up for you. A friend is going to be there when you're having a bad day to cheer you up. Shoving someone around, calling you names, taking your phone, that is not acceptable behavior. But we're also talking about a child who got kicked in the groin in kindergarten and has permanent damage from it. Oh, poor guy. Um... When that happened, yeah. we weren't told. Really? Not at all. Um, we brought him home. I brought him home from school that day. Nothing was said. There was no note in the backpack, right. no phone call, no email. I went to put him in the tub that night, and his whole groinal area was black and blue. Oh, the poor guy. So, of course, that results in mom being, yeah. yeah. Um, what happened to you? And by the way, your dad needs to come check you out because that's yeah. totally awkward for mom to do it. Was he able to explain what happened? He told me that another child was holding the door open when they were walking in from recess and the other child decided to kick him. But he didn't think to tell anyone. He told the teacher who said, you'll be okay. And told the other student to settle down. He wasn't sent to the office. And I said, I understand you all can't, um, you can't check his right, groin. Right. I get that. Yeah. But a phone call so that I could have come to check him out. Make sure he's okay. Yeah. Or the offer of an ice pack. Yeah. Wow. Would have been nice, but instead we find it at 8 o'clock at night when we're putting him to bed. Yeah. He went to the doctor the next day, has a testicle that's lodged up inside from this. Mind How you, old was he at the time? Six. Oh, goodness. To make matters worse, for three months, twice a day, I had to try to manually move that. Oh, for sure. How awkward for he and I both, oh, right? absolutely. You know? Yeah. And the other child, they called that child's parents, and it was, well, I know this sounds bad, but he's white. What do you do to deserve it? 
is what was said back to us. Wow. So he's had issues, and again, he thought that kid was his friend. I see. I see. I'm just thinking, buddy, oh. you deserve so much better than this. That's hard. You're such a good kid. So we ask everybody at this moment, right now, do you feel like you're swimming, treading water, drowning? Where do you feel like you're at? Treading water. Treading water. We're we're getting there. Okay. Uh, two weeks ago, I'd say we were sinking yeah. immensely. Um, we've come up a little bit. We're gaining a little ground. Yeah. So I can ease up a bit. But as summer's coming, yeah, I'll I'll be drowning here soon. Yeah, summer's tough. It is. We're trying tough. to figure it all out for them. Yeah. What What do you do then? Like, what's your self care routine? Or if if um, more relevant, what what do you do? Um, sort of survive those tough times. I turn a lot to my camera. Yeah. Whether it's loading my son up and we go to a sporting event and it's I know it's something that he'll want to watch mm-hmm. and I'll take pictures and then I can go home and be on the computer and edit those. Right. Just kind of not really completely shut everything out but be in that bubble. Yeah, yeah. And just focus on the task at hand and yeah. not have to worry quite as much. Yeah. It helps immensely. That sounds great. So, through all this, what do you think has been your most laughable moment? I know this sounds really bad. Yeah. But my, watching my son talk to his therapist and get a full idea on his diagnosis because he himself grasps it now. Yeah. And he laughs at what we see. And so we can laugh with him over it because it was so stressful to even get him to go to the therapist. Right, and now he's comfortable there. He knows that what we're working on is not a life-threatening thing. And he can joke with us about things like that now, which eases our family tension so much. Yeah. I know that's a tough thing to really have as a laughable moment. Yeah. But come the end of the day, it's made things so much easier for all of us yeah. that he's taking us with a grain of salt. He laughs, he jokes, and he understands What's going on? Taking him to the doctor was another good one. Oh, kid had to have four shots. Oh, right. I laugh as I'm holding him. Right. Every every mom, dad, everyone can relate to this. Yes. No one likes their shots. Yeah. No. And we're we're strategizing, right? I'm like, okay, don't look. Look at mom. Mom's across the table. Don't watch the nurse. Right. You know, and he's screaming at the top of his lungs. And you're thinking, come on. It's okay. You've got four of them. It won't take long. And he watched the first shot. And he's like, whoa, what's the big deal here? (laughs) He's like, that didn't hurt. We could let go. And he laid there. And it was nothing. No, it was nothing. He's like, no big deal. That's great. So he, he provides a lot of laughable moments for us. Yeah. Well, that's awesome. Well, thank you so much for sharing your story with us. Well, really thank you. Thank you. You have been listening to Just Ask Mom, recorded and copyrighted in 2017 by Mothers on the Front Line. Today's podcast host was Tammy Nyden. The music is Old English, written, performed, and recorded by Flame Emoji. For more podcasts in this and other series relating to children's mental health, go to mothersonthefrontline.com.